You all are my favorite people, people. Welcome to Capital P and People Work Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of people, wellness, and the future of work. I am your host, Gabby Lubin, CEO and founder of Spark This Day, the two-sided platform that equips employees with wellness and HR people professionals with data. Hi, everyone. Today, I am joined by Minnie Honkoop, a powerhouse in HR. She has had a calling for people in creating healing workplace ecosystems. Mindy has spent 20 years as a people leader and HR advisor for primarily technology-focused companies. She guides organizational leaders to rethink how they work to thrive. Before acting as an interim head of people ops at care.com, founding her HR advising and consultancy business, Agile and HR, Mindy held a chief people officer role at TCP Software and HR leadership roles at Spiceworks, Ziff Davis, HomeAway.com, Blackbaud, and Expedia. Mindy is based in Austin, Texas, sits on the board for nonprofit Love Justice International, and co-founded the Austin Women in Agile Meetup. When she's not busy with people, she can be found reading, walking her dogs, traveling, or hiking. Oh, Mindy, thank you so much for being here. We are thrilled to have you on Capital P and People Work. Oh, thank you so much, Gabby. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Well, Mindy, we are always excited to both value the human and their accomplishments. We heard a lot about your amazing accomplishments, but could you tell us who are you as a human? I always, you know, when I look at that, I think there's you know, five things that come to my mind, which I think are kind of like my core values that really drive who I am. And it's mission, leadership, joy, exploration, and relationships. Oh, that's beautiful. It sounds like you've done a, a little bit of digging into I did the past year. And I looked up to the side because I kind of have a decision matrix that just kind of reminds me when I have big decisions in the day that I always kind of go back and say, is that aligning to my core beliefs or values of who I am? Because often I think we get caught up and if we aren't making decisions that align with who we are, then we're fighting against ourselves. And, and so making life a little bit harder than it has to be. Mm, I love that. I love that. I've done some similar work with um, a CEO coach and we dug into what my like five values were as well. I don't know them off the top of my head like you do, but I do remember one that I didn't put my finger on, but my coach called that was magic. So I always come back to that as, as being the, yeah, the, I'll say like the little dust that gets sprinkled in places. You just, you need that sometimes. Yes. Yes. Um, Well, before we dig into what I think is going to be an awesome conversation, um, I want to hear what your capital P word for today is. Thinking about passionate. Yes. Tell me why. Why passionate? You know, I'm really passionate going into 2023. I'm passionate about the opportunity to lean in. You know, each year it feels, I mean, multiple things for the HR leadership role has been a lot of challenges, a lot of things that they're not the first time, but they're things that, you know, we, we need to lean into, be uncomfortable with, and really reach out to community. And I've seen people come together in a way um, that I haven't in the past and being able to rely on people 
as an HR community and not to just stand alone as an island. And, and I'm really passionate about the opportunity that we have to change workplaces um, through this and to continuing to see the need to lean in together and to not remain on our isolated island. So I'm passionate for change and, and being able to do that with some incredible HR thought leaders. I feel the energy through the screen on this one. Yes, <laughs> because I think this is really the time for HR to shake things up yeah. to create a little bit of that. I don't know. New norm maybe is, is an overused term, but we've recalibrated from the pandemic in some way. It's not post pandemic. It's just, I don't know, forever pandemic, whatever it is. <laughs> and, and you know, the conversations around the workplace are still so prevalent mm -hmm. and people are even just in everyday conversations talking more about yes. the role of, of the workplace or bringing in HR as, as, as a component of what they're thinking about more than I think we have in the last, what, at least 20 years, right? A hundred percent. I was at a Christmas party slash birthday party last night with non-HR people. And it's often that I don't really talk about work with others as so like, oh, Mindy, you're nerding out. Or they don't, don't really know, like, what are you talking about? And it was so with these two lovely humans, and they were talking about kind of their remote and hybrid returning to work experience and, and how onboarding and the process of onboarding was off and how they're trying to work and lean in with their HR teams to improve it. And I was I was having so much fun because here I am with non-HR people talking about what is at the core of who I am. And HR for me is a calling. I absolutely love it. And it was so great to see these employees so engaged and really seeing the ownership of how they can lean in and be a part of the change in their workplaces, which is really exciting to see. So you're right. It, it is beyond just the realms of HR. Like, as people are rethinking, they're creating the opportunity for employee voice to speak into what are those next steps. And employees are enjoying that and, and realizing the opportunity that they have to be a part of that change, which is really exciting to see. It is. It is. It's energy that I think hasn't been here for some time. And yeah. it is up to people who are in the HR space and creating for the HR space to be able to like galvanize that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to talk all about that, but I also want listeners to really understand why you're so excited about people work. Like what brought you into this space? What gets you amped about being here? And like, talk to us about that story. Yeah. I entered into workplaces through a social work lens. So I went to school to um, be a social worker. <laughs> and mm -hmm. as I was working with youth, and, and really seeing the, the, the lack of adults in their lives, the, the lack of adults being their full selves and thriving and just that lack of um, having healthy, that, having them healthy lives like lived for them to see. Like they're not seeing the modeled behavior of what is it like to be a fully you as an adult. And a lot of that, you know, as you dug deeper, was uh, their parents were in these workplaces, sometimes working multiple jobs and weren't even at home. Or when they were home, they were they weren't their full selves. They were a shell of themselves. And how this impacted the youth in the community in a negative way, and the impact that had on the society. And so I then became really passionate about how can we take the concept 
practice social work, where we start with the person in the ecosystem and being able to see how is that person thriving or not? And what about that ecosystem? Do we need to create the right tools and resources um, to be able to, to set those individuals up to be successful, but also to heal the, the ecosystem? Um, Amazing. I don't think I've heard of a lot of other folks coming from a social work background into, into HR. But what I do know is that a lot of folks land in HR because it kind of just calls to them. It brings them there. Yeah. Which to be honest, feels a little bit similar to how I landed in, you know, I've not, I've not had an HR role myself, but now really passionate about this Mm. like systems thinking and changing because I was in education. Similar Mm. to you is working with kids and, and realizing well, I was burning out being in those scenarios because education is really challenging. But on top of that, it was me learning about intervention and about like how to change a a system of a classroom because I was working um, both in classrooms and then working between classrooms and supporting multiple spaces. Um, And it helps you when you kind of like take that step back and have that layer to really be able to analyze like, okay, what's what at the core is happening here and how does this function? Is it just in this ecosystem or does this exist outside? And I think the, the greatest thing to learn in those scenarios is that, first of all, kids and adults are not that dissimilar. They're exactly. very, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are passionate about one thing in that ecosystem, there's a way to kind of implement it in other spaces and make a really similar impact. And workplaces are a really impactful place to do that work. So yeah, what, what, who, who helped you get to where you are today and to, to getting into this amazing, you know, interim role, but you've been in multiple um, head of people or head of HR roles in the past. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, it, there's so many incredible people that have been pivotal in who I am and where I am today. Uh, th- that could be a whole hour conversation. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, always. The, <laughs> Here's the, your acceptance speech. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I think the first person who really, because being, a, I mean, coming from a social work um, background and experience, that's where my internships were, where it's pure social work. And so then trying to then open a door into HR and into workplaces, it wasn't easy because people didn't see that um, value proposition position. They didn't mm-hmm. see how does your experience tie to to this role and how could you be successful in this? And so I was getting a lot of rejections. I was knocking on a lot of doors and um, I had some friends because I li- grew up in the Seattle area and Microsoft was just right there in the back door. And I was a tech nerd. I was in the computer lab. I uh, uh, All my friends were um, engineers and developers. And so they put uh, my resume in as an application for the recruiting organization. And the story goes is that I was in a reject bin, but one of the hiring managers there was trying to start a a new group of uh, really kind of what you would call now sourcing. So it was university recruiting. He was looking to source candidates in a new way. So be able to get those passive candidates that weren't applying to Microsoft, um, but to really and now, nowadays, you have recruiters that just source. Back then, it wasn't as common. And so he was trying to put together a new team, but he needed people who hadn't done it before because he wanted people to think about it in a different way 
he had been interviewing and wasn't really getting what he wanted. So he actually looked in the rejection bin and he <laughs> found he found me and a, a unique team, another person who's an author. And he has continued on as a recruiter. And he just came out with his first book of poetry, um, me, the social worker, and then uh, another individual. We're kind of on this startup team. And it was Larry Benish, and he, he saw on the top of this referral that my friend had said it would be a sin not to hire her. And he said, wow, I've never seen such a powerful statement. I, he's like, at least a five-minute phone call with Mindy. And that five-minute phone call has remained a, a long-term uh, a friendship. Um, you know, obviously, someone I could always reach out to and ask questions of, but he was a phenomenal first manager as well. So maybe I'll just, uh, I always say he's kind of, I wouldn't be definitely not, I would not be where I am without him. I love that story. That's a pretty awesome bet that he took and good place to land initially. Oh my goodness, it was amazing. Opened a few doors for you, which is wonderful to have that kind of institutional backing. Yeah. And, and, you know, Microsoft, it was interesting because it was during when Bill Gates was still there. And then you got to Mm -hmm. see the regime change between Bill Gates and Ballmer and how the impact of leadership has on culture. And so it was Mm -hmm. it was a a really great time to be there. Amazing. And you've worked at now quite a few institutions um, with different kinds of, I don't know, funding models or different stages of companies, et cetera. And it sounds, you know when we were talking before that you were having an interesting, different experience uh, being at a company that was uh, private equity owned versus maybe something that was public or at earlier stages. So let's, um, I want to like dig a little bit more into that right now. Um, Talk to me about what you're seeing in the workplace environment right now. Maybe it's specifically at care.com. Maybe it's just generally from your advising work in the different HR spaces, like what what's the context of the workplace environment? I think a common thread I'm seeing across all of my clients right now is how do we connect in a meaningful way? It feels like there's a lack of connection. There's a lack of communication. And so how how are we taking what we're doing today and making it more meaningful? How you know, in some organizations, it's easy to add on other things to what we're already doing. And and then how do you know those are actually driving value? And so how do we start to really understand, no, what actually is the problem? It's not, maybe it's not that you need another meeting or another town hall. Uh, what is the actual root cause here? And let's take a step back. It's like, maybe we don't need guidelines and a policy. Like, like let's really find out what's a root cause here of um, what's going on. And I think people are, there's a, there is a lot of uncertainty going into 2023 and, and it's easy to just put a bandaid on things, but uh, what I, what's, it's neat is I am seeing people actually try to pause and take some time to kind of look underneath the hood and kind of figure out, Hey, before we add more things, cause I think people are burnt out, right? There's like, we mm-hmm. don't want more things. We actually need to take the time and figure out what are, how can we have quality of what we're doing versus quantity. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm seeing people start to ask better questions. I I'm seeing people lean into how do we 
if we haven't been, how do we create feedback channels with our employees? So for even small companies of 35 people, let's, how do we do a simple survey ourselves and, and, and get some feedback and be able to start to iterate and, and create an opportunity for people to understand, hey, these are our baseline metrics, just the need for some signals, some data, like for example, with unlimited um, PTO, and for um, remote work, there's just a lack of signals, right? Like when we're in person, we can read each other's body language. We can, there's certain things that we just don't have when we're not together. And so how do we start to put some signals in place so that employees can also start to um, empower them to be able to be aware and to create self-awareness, to make better informed decisions? Um, or, you know, at other clients, it's actually employees are even saying in benefit surveys, you know, when you're asking, hey, what benefits would you like to see next time? They're actually saying we want to get together. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that's a benefit. Like, that's not a common answer that you would have seen in the past. And so, but what is it that they want about being together? Is that working together? Like, what do they mean when they say that? And so um, that's that introspection and, and and being able to really get to the root cause is important as we go into 2023, especially as budgets start to get leaner. How do we make sure we're solving the right problems? So we have right size solutions. Sorry yeah. if that was a little bit of a. No, no, that was an awesome overview of, of, uh, of what we are seeing, which is excellent. So I'm hearing communication as something that's happening across the board and, and yeah. leveling up that communication. And then also um, really taking a moment to notice what is happening, what you have, yeah. what is and isn't working generally and like refining certain things. And, you know, that must be something that happens every year as we do that as humans generally as this, you know, new year, new me, new year's resolution kind of mindset, which like we don't really believe in at Spark this day, but yeah. is something that is built into our, our system and our conversation just as, at least as Americans, I'm not sure about other cultures. Um, so is, so do you think this year is just a little bit more emphasize or, or, you know, there's a, a magnifying glass because of what's happened in the pandemic and because of the recession, or is it even like, talk to me about the differences. I think it's what you, everything you've mentioned, and yeah. it's also about looking into the future and being uncertain about the economy Yeah, and, and, and really making sure that we're making informed decisions and that we are that we need to continue to care about people and and how do we do that it's not just throwing money at problems right so i think mm -hmm. that in the past when we didn't have the economic uncertainty you would have a tendency to throw money at problems or put mm -hmm. systems into place without understanding what is it the problem that we're solving for and a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. And, and some of these startups, that many of them didn't even have HR leaders. So you had people that don't have an HR background trying to make a difference, but that aren't really sure. And so they're putting in place tools and resources. Uh, for example, collaboration tools like Miro, which is a phenomenal tool, but if it's not, if they are not educated in the right way, maybe then only a few people end up using it, but it could be leveraged across the company if it had had a thoughtful rollout. Um, 
So I, I think these are the things that we're seeing, right? How do we audit our collaboration tools even? How do we think about the employee experience as importantly as our customer experience? How do we think about the there's multiple people that own that employee experience. And it's not just HR, but it's also our facility teams. If we have a hybrid uh, situation and also our IT department. So how do we come together uh, across our different departments and not just be siloed, but truly own the employee experience together from beginning to end? Hmm. There's a lot more thinking that's going into this work in general. Yeah. Because... Yes employees have noticed that there is this uh they care about it more they mm-hmm. they're a little bit more in the driver's seat I would say still even with the economic downturn yeah. um because they're having co- those kinds of conversations like at yes. holiday parties they're still yes. thinking about it I was yeah. talking with um someone just today she is a social worker actually and mm-hmm. so she works at a university and she said well I like, this is the job that I am able to get right now. I like this job. I enjoy the work that I'm doing, but they're so inflexible about how I'm able to actually get that work done. I have no students next week. They turned the heat off. So it's going to be 55 degrees, but I have to go into work because I can't take vacation. Like that just, none none of this makes sense. You know, it's just, it doesn't make sense. So I've been hypothesizing with a few other folks that have come on this podcast that there's going to be some sort of divide that happens in the next, I don't know, nine to 12 months, maybe 18 months um, with the recession specifically. And there'll be companies who continue to invest in their people, even though they're cutting budgets and they prioritize the people who are still there. And then there are going to be companies or institutions that are not, and they're cutting Mm -hmm. and continue to cut and people are going to continue to leave. So it sounds like you agree. Like, Mm -hmm. where do you think that's going to go? How long do you think that's going to take what What's going on there? Let's dig in. Uh, I don't know if I'm knowledgeable enough <laughs> to like be able to answer all, that specifically. It's uh, all spaghetti <laughs> at the wall, let's be honest. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, um, but Mindy's uh, Mindy's thought on thought on that, it's true, right? Because when you look at the job openings, there are more job openings now than there were before COVID. And yeah. you also see more people the, you know, the value of the workplace is different because people can go and have their own, do their own thing. And so you see a lot more freelancing and more people with part-time uh, jobs. And, and so the companies that are going to iterate and are going to allow employees to have some level of voice so that they feel like they have some level of uh, control and flexibility are going to be the ones that survive and they're going to be able to continue to innovate because they have also probably built in trust and the ability for failure, which you need in order to exist. Otherwise you become obsolete. So I feel that the companies that aren't doing it at some point, you get to a point where you don't have the level of talent that you need. Um, to be able to remain competitive, to be able to maintain that level of customer experience. And then the customers will start to churn and start to make different decisions because they are going to want to, they may not be early adopters, 
but the early adopters will go to the companies that are innovating. And then once those companies that can become established, then the others will follow. And that's what I think you'll start to see. And that those companies that then are more of your, I mean, when you think of an institution, I'm thinking of those that are not innovating, those that maybe people will start leaving. And then you have the talent left that enjoys that, but then it's more fear-based, which I often find behaviors are more micro, it's it's more command control center where your people are being told like what to do and to execute on. But when you start to have that, then you don't have the diversity of thought. You don't have the, you have a vacuum of ideas, which then you're not hearing from all your customers because your customers are diverse. Yeah. And so if you don't have that in the creation of your product, then your customers are going to realize that they no longer see themselves in your, in what you're offering to them. How do you, as let's, let's just say we're an employee and we're looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. How do you assess whether a company is on one side versus the other of this equation? What are some indicators for you? Um, some indicators, you know, how, how open are they to, how open are the managers? Like, what, are they, they, are they looking for someone who's just going to execute mm-hmm. or are they looking for you to, you know, take a problem and be able to offer up ideas and perspectives and to inform next steps and and solutions you can kind of start to gauge that in in the interview process i you know i often think that people hold back from being able to offer up different points of view in an interview and i think it's really important to do that to to really test is this person open to hearing a different perspective because if you are someone who wants to be in an innovative environment, you need to have a healthy level of debate. And so you then need to test in those interviews, is there room for healthy debate? And so often if you are true to who you are and you're someone that comes to the table with rich experience, you should let that shine through in the interview. They should see who you are. And I think that's the best way to gauge that because I think for the innovative companies, they want people who are going to push back. They're going to want people that take a question and ask more questions to really understand and, and offer up something different in a way that's respectful and, and, and in a collaborative nature versus where it's more institutional. You, you, they're probably not going to move you forward in the process. You'll know, I guess, is what I'm hearing. Right. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because I think other people may assume that the future of work, so this new way of 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 working, the new version of a company that we were just talking about that split that divide, we would be able to indicate those good companies based on the fact that they have flexible hours or hybrid work or they give you a computer, they provide you with X, Y, and Z benefits. But those things are real indicators sometimes of like what the company culture is like. And sometimes they're not, as well as if those things are actually working in a company, like if there is a mental health support that's been provided, yeah, you, you will only note that company is actually living those values if it trickles down to the interaction, to the yes. behaviors. And at the end of the day, like that's what matters, right? Gabby, 
100%. It's about how someone shows up in their behaviors and the conversation and their decision making. And, you know, you can have something on the website that looks amazing and talks about the values, but then if no one can speak to them and what do they mean to them, that's another great question about what are your values and, and what does that mean to you? How do you see that showing up in the culture? Those are also really good lit- litmus tests for an organization. I think this is really interesting to dig into, like, <laughs> um, who you hire obviously makes a difference in those spaces. So like you could have, for example, someone interviewing you that isn't necessarily the most, um, we'll say quote unquote developed adult, but it could, they could be a part of <laughs> an adult culture in that workplace yeah. that actually is people first. Um, which is just interesting. I don't know if you've done any adult development work, probably in your social work career at some yeah. point. I, I studied it in my yeah. master's program, um, Keegan's theory of adult development. Do you know his theory? Yes. Somewhat. <laughs> I, is I'm rusty. Like, <laughs> the name. I mean, it is a bit uh, like went over my head a lot, even though I took a full year of it pretty much um, because his theories are just kind of wild. Um But it's this idea that, you know, there's a certain stage of human that is able to interact with the world in a, I don't know, in a higher order manner. Yes. Because it's like, it's like versus like you're where it's just about you versus where it's then you get to like the human aspect where then you're thinking about humans for then you're thinking about the world and the impact that you have on the world. And then there's the greater level of where you can hold all these things true And understand why people are thinking in the way they are, because you can see which level they're at. Yes, I know that it always blows my mind when. Yes, it is a mind blowing Mm -hmm. class that I took at least. And even just remembering a a component of it is just so helpful in the work that we do. But at the end of the day, it's interesting because you Mm -hmm. have to hire, you know, when you're hiring people, you have to kind of figure out who some of those people are to bring yeah. them into the organizations to actually create that culture that is people first mm-hmm. and to provide the benefits that then support yeah. that organization from disintegrating. And, and it's right. Um, right. such an yeah. easy job. It sounds like you have, right? <laughs> no, no, it's difficult. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why in the interview process, it is important not just to throw anyone out there. Like yes. the, the interview, the interviewers, you need to be vetted and they need to be trained and, and they need to be a representative and champions of the culture. I think it is kind of like a full circle back here to your resume being pulled out of the no pile to be like, <laughs> nope, we're thinking outside of the box to really think about the people who, who should be here, who would not normally be here or whatever yeah. normal is. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. Mindy, Talk to me, um, and then I, I know we're a little bit running short on time, so we'll I'll ask this one last Goes by so fast. question. I know. <laughs> um, what do you see as the future of work? Where are we headed? Is the future of work now? Is it still in the future? What is that going to look like? <laughs> um, I think we're kind of in this, I, I mean, I feel like we're on, on the precipice. Like, obviously, how we work today is not how we used to work. But I still feel very strong ties to what we were doing because it's comfortable. We, it's what we know and it's 
hard to be uncomfortable, but, and it's also hard when the tools that we have to work with were built off of what we used to do. And many people are trying new ways of working, but they're manual to maintain and which are really hard to scale and grow. And we need to have new platforms and new tools that are able to automate these new ways of working. And if we can't do that, we'll never be able to fully move forward into something new. We'll, we'll be on this awkward precipice of where we don't really feel like we're doing, it's better, but it's, it's awkward. It doesn't feel like it fits yet. And I am seeing a lot of surge of new HR technologies and new ways of thinking that are so needed and important for HR leaders to be aware of and to invest in, in order to help us fully move into that future space and be successful. Mm, yeah, there's a lot of HR tech that is is changing out there and yeah. obviously us included. And it's exciting to see where it will head because it's, it's a good time to be for the people. Yeah, it is. I'll say that. <laughs> well, Mindy, this has been an awesome conversation. I feel like we just kind of touch the surface of where we can head. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll need to do a round two at some point, but um, if people are interested in connecting with you or, or learning more, where can they find you? Yeah. Um, LinkedIn is the best place. And just to be a little bit patient with me because LinkedIn is, uh, has a lot of uh, volume of uh, messages, but I love to connect with people on there. And uh, if anyone has any questions, I'm always happy to answer them. Amazing. Mindy, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure to interview you and just awesome to have you in our network. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Gabby. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Capital P and People Work. Family, we'll catch you next time with a whole new conversation on the intersection of people, wellness, and the future of work. Until then, make sure to rate our podcast and share it with your favorite people, people. See you soon. Thank you.